After 32 years, I came out of the closet as a gay Christian pastor. Finally, on the outside of that suffocating prison, I'm looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. It's not enough to become informed. We have to do something about the harm we're still witnessing within systems and spaces we've been loyal to for so long. It's time we become reformers. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's me, Mike. Uh, I look different now. I think some of you who follow me on social media know this already, but, um, and if you're listening on my podcast, um, I look different because I shaved my mustache off. It's gone. Uh, the short version of that for anyone who's wondering is it's time for a change. I've heard people say that before and I'm like, what are you talking about? Didn't really relate to that as much. I literally will take a look and run with it for years of my life, <laughs> which is what I did with that mustache. It was time for a change. Uh, I was starting to like feel like I didn't know it was on the other side of not having that mustache. It had become part of my brand. Like when my, when I became like more visible and like public figurey, the mustache was part of that experience. So I think part of me just, you know, it was convenient to have that as like a marker. Um, it was definitely easy to be recognized in public. Um, people at my, you know, restaurants I would go to regularly, they would easily recognize me because that's a very distinct feature. So part of me was like realizing am I getting a little too attached to this thing? Like, is this part of my identity? I don't think that was true, but it was like a concern. And then someone asked me what's making you keep it. And I did not have a good reason. And that ultimately just led me down to a, down this path of like realizing I don't have like a, a solid reason for this. So I shaved it off and I just wanted to know what was on the other side. And the other side is this and I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm good with it. I like it. I'm starting to become more and more on board with my face without that. Um, so there's that. Uh, listen, I took a break. I took like a few months off of creating content on my podcast slash YouTube channel. Um, because I'm a human. Most, a lot of us, I think right now are having to face the sobering journey of recognizing our own humanity. When we were raised in a capitalistic society that prizes, you know, productivity and profitability. And for those of us who, you know, have been grinding in that world at the expense of our own well-being, like it starts to become a little too expensive. And I was the guy and I did that. I promoted that kind of like grinding culture until I came out as a gay man. And when I did that, that was a sobering lesson of recognizing that my well-being was consistently being put on the back burner for the sake of my profitability or my relevance or my contribution. And I had to like, on a survival level, kind of recognize and reprioritize what was important in my life. And all of a sudden making money or, you know, being efficient or getting stuff done took a backseat to my mental and emotional well-being, which I'm proud of that. It's maybe embarrassing that it took me that long to figure that out. And some of you listening to this right now, you haven't figured that out yet. And you know, and I get that and I, there's no judgment for me because I didn't get that either. And it's weird because you can hear people talk about this, but you mostly dismiss needing to face that by just simply judging the person and then invalidating what they're talking about and you move on. I did that to people all the time. And so some of you might be doing that to me right now. That's okay. I get it. You're just not ready for it. And that's all right. But I do want to just say <laughs> on the other side of this experience, uh, you're a person, you're a human being and being a being designed for love, being a being when you're a person designed for love, which we all are productivity and profitability are not, like at the core of your purpose or like reason for existing. Um, I think a deeper underlying fundamental 
reason for our existence is to love and be loved, to belong and to receive and to include and, you know, so, um, on that journey, yay. Uh, and I know it's inconvenient, you know, like, especially when people are creating content or like providing a service that you subscribe to or like benefit from, and then they take a break. Like that's, it sucks, right? It's not fun, but I think it's important for us as a culture and a society to start embracing the reality that the people creating and doing these things at the, at least at the grassroots level of a lot of the stuff that we're getting access to today, they're human, they're people, they're human beings. And as such, they need space and permission to change, to grow, to evolve, to learn, to recover, um, to heal, to rest, right? And th these are all valuable things that are valid. Um, so I got to embody that, took a break. Um, so yeah, that's a win in my book. Um, this is totally random and not relevant to this space necessarily, but um, in, the last, in that break, one of the things that came up for me that I was seriously evaluating is, do I have ADHD? It seems like a lot of us have ADHD. It's like all over the place. And depending on what corner of TikTok you end up on, like you have ADHD, right? Um, and I'm starting to respond to videos that are like, hey, have you ever forgotten something? You might have ADHD, right? You might have ADHD if you've ever started a project and you didn't finish it. Or if you've ever like lacked motivation at like doing something you know you're supposed to do, you might have ADHD. And I'm like, oh my God, I, right? And part of me is like, do I have ADHD or are we human beings, right? And I'm not trying to make light of or dismiss the reality of someone having ADHD and I actually genuinely might have it. I don't know. I'm still on the journey of like figuring that out. I don't think it's true at this point, but anyway, that's like a, that was a thing that I got to process through. Um, here's the deal. We're going into season three of my show and with this season comes a, a new pro approach, a new like structure, if you will, um, in that I want, I'm going to be doing series. I don't know how to say the word series in plural form. I think series is already plural, but it's also singular of like multiple in a singular collection, right? I'm going to be doing many series this, this season um, on a few different subjects. So this season you're going to hear from, uh, from me, but also from like a bunch of different voices that I have found to be helpful and fascinating and contributing like important conversation to subjects like Christian nationalism sex, queer, queer people in the church. I am going to do a series on atheists and talking about to a few different atheists and letting them share their perspective. And I believe every single atheist I interview this season is, was formerly a Christian and raised in evangelical culture. And then, you know, so anyway, um, series, like we're, we're gonna talk about the afterlife deconstruction, you know, like there's those kinds of conversations. I'm going to bring people on that I have found. Oh, gender. That's another, anyway, I, I can keep going. We just got, we have series this season. I'm excited to share that with you and just platform a, a few different people who are going to share interesting, fascinating perspectives. And a couple of these interviews, I want to just let you know up front, they got emotional either from me or the interviewer. And I'm excited to share those conversations with you. We got real, you know, and there was some vulnerability that was taking place and it was just really human. And I loved that. So I think this is going to be a really fun season. That being said, um, we're going to kick off after this season, after this episode, we're going to jump right into the first series. And I want to start season three off with a subject that, you know, is politically relevant, um, culturally relevant for America. Uh, we're going to talk about Christian nationalism. I'm going to do a series on that. So, um, the next episode is going to be me interviewing a few different people who are sharing their perspective and experience and vantage point on Christian nationalism. And I want you to know, like, I was raised evangelical. I was raised Republican. 
I don't think anybody said that out loud, but it's true. Conservative, obviously. Uh, and that deeply impacted my worldview and values and all that. So in this episode, I actually would like to take some time to share my perspective and experience on the whole subject of Christian nationalism. Um, but before I jump into that, I just also want to lastly, my last like intro piece, and then we're going to, well, I'll talk about this, is another big thing that I've been, I just kicked my camera, that I've been evaluating that has been like, initially it was like trepidatious for me to even look at this. I'm like, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to experience conviction. I don't want to have to face this because of how impactful it will be. But I'm having to look at the capitalism that I was raised in that I not just like economically, but like internally the values that were instilled in me by people I respect in a lot of ways. Um, the capitalistic nature of how I know how to make money of how I know how to, how to generate income. I am an entrepreneur and I love being an entrepreneur, but I've actually shirked that aspect of my identity and my skill set because of the capitalism and the exploitation that I see happening within that structure. I don't want to just outright say capitalism is bad or evil. I don't know that I, I don't think that at this point, but I think there are lots of problems with what capitalism has done to people in the country that I live in. The consequences that have come from the ways that this system has gone unchecked or, you know, been ex excessive and anyway, so I'm looking at that and I don't have all the answers. I'm still in a process. So, Hey, I'm going to play the human card. I'm still figuring this out. I'm still like looking at questions or looking at things and pulling things apart and, soberly like processing through what does this mean to me? How do I show up here? Um, in what ways am I violating myself, let alone other people by running my world in certain ways? Right? So, um, that, that process is emotional and has taken a toll on me as a content creator, as a business owner, as someone who employs other people. Um, it has taken a toll. I have suffered, I would say in not just economically, like my income has dropped because of my attitude changing around capitalism, which I don't want to admit here because it feels like failure. But again, in the name of humanity, like I'm going to, I want to try and just be honest and vulnerable here in this space. I think it feels like trepidatious to be vulnerable here because I don't have answers and I don't know a year from now what I'm going to be thinking. And I don't want to look back on this video and be like, Oh God, I can't believe I said that. But I think part of the beauty of, the way that I show up in the spaces that I'm content creating is the honesty and vulnerability. Cause I can currently look back at some videos from a couple years ago and be like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. So you know what? In keeping with tradition, let's keep it going. I'm going to share some stuff in this moment, in this space that I'm like, Oh, I never got this or I might not agree later. And I just need permission to be able to not agree. The whole reason I started this podcast and you know, sharing content on YouTube was because I wanted a space to not have to be an expert, to not have to have the answers, but to be able to just share where I was on the journey, what I was aware of, and then like bring some other voices in to help inform us along the journey that we're on and the process that we're working through. So, um, it has been one of the more painful aspects of this last season, um, divesting from capitalism in certain ways, mostly emotionally. And then practically like in the way that I'm making decisions for NUMA, the organization that I run. Um, and the bummer side of that is it has cost me and my team income. Like we are all not a suffering is a strong word, but we are all experiencing loss when it comes to like how much money we've been making and you know, the choices we're making in our lifestyles. And, what, and I don't want to admit that because again, it feels like failure, but like that's a reality. And so, um, I just want to kind of level with you here. Like that's been a very real challenge. And I think another component to that, which this is interesting to share out loud is, um, shifting from 
a conservative evangelical like base of people who subscribe to my stuff and like show up here to a more progressive, um, more liberal direction, which by the way, I don't necessarily own any of these titles or labels, not because they don't apply to me. I just, I've not done the work to like honestly establish myself as like, this is who I am or the identity I'm taking on. I just know I'm, I'm leaving conservative land, right? Like that's, I'm not a conservative anymore. That is true. Um, anyway, so because of that, my audience has changed and the kinds of people that are showing up in my space now, which I'm so proud of and I'm honored to get to serve and like be engaged in this part of the world, helping these kinds of people. I think a lot of us, the people on this side of that economic divide, if you will, are really like we're hyper aware of ways that people have manipulated us, um, promised things to us, profited off of us in ways that were actually like not helpful for us. And so we feel, you know, upfront, immediately defensive and like skeptical or suspicious around, oh, there's money attached, there's money involved. Now I don't want to be part of it or I'm just going to immediately just turn, right? And like, that's a, re a gut reaction that I understand. I get it. I mean, I experienced that. So part of me is like, oh, I don't want to, Ugh, how can I do the work that I do and be as passionate and as like authentic and as engaged with the stuff I care about and I'm bringing to the table as I want to be and still pay my bills, st still pay my team, still like, you know, afford to live. Uh, and that's a, a really real, that's a real tension that consistently is on the table. So all that to say, I guess I just want to like, let you guys know that's a real process that I'm working through. Um, I've got people on my side of the, of this team that are like being directly impacted by the choices that I'm making or not making or whatever. And I want to continue to face and work through this. Um, in some ways I was a little bit negligent. I started just kind of being avoidant of this and just letting things kind of decline, not because things were going poorly, but because I was just like not showing up as confidently and as clearly as I usually do because I was like, can I do this? You know? So I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, I got to clean some of this up. That was like a part of my process. I did it. But now, like, if I keep going down the road I've been going down, I won't be able to do this anymore. I won't be able to afford to do this. I will have to, like, I've genuinely considered, do I just need to get a job, like, outside of NUMA and, like, go work for somebody else and not have to think about? Um, but I don't think that's actually the responsible decision here. I'm not saying I'm not going to do that. I don't know I'm working through that. But what I do want to voice here, and because I do, like, treat this as a relationship. Like, we have a relationship going on, right? Um, if I'm going to keep doing this kind of a work, creating this podcast slash YouTube content, which by the way, this stuff doesn't pay me. Like I do this because it's a passion project. It's free content. I want to get out to people, right? The stuff I put on social media, that's all free. I'm doing all this for free. And then obviously in NUMA, I've got coaching that I do. That's a paid service. We have a few like curated, um, facilitated groups that people can be part of, whether it's like a queer post-Christian working out their faith and their sexuality. We've got a group for that. We've got the Ashes Deconstruction group. We've got the writers group. Um, anyway, we've got different groups people can pay to be part of. That's a service my team provides. I've got coaches on my team who also provide coaching. And so that's, and then NUMA Plus, right? That's streaming content. Those are literally the ways that we get paid here. Um, that's how we pay our bills and I pay my team and I pay for my lunches and you know. All um, and so to be able to keep doing that, I have to keep providing services people can actually monetize, like people can pay us for, right? I don't know that I'm, I, I'm not trying to like, get as much money as possible. I'm like, oh, this work matters. The people we're serving, this matters. Um, so I just want to say up front, like the services we provide at this point, we are actually doing like scaling pricing. 
Um, we used to charge like, I think decent competitive rates for the services we provided, especially at the caliber that I believe we were offering. And now like the caliber is there, the robust depth and like versatility and diversity in the, what we're providing, I think is even more valuable than it's ever been, depending on who you are. <laughs> but we're also like providing a scaled pricing structure for people who can't afford the rates that we would have charged before. We have our base, like this is what we would normally charge for this, but we're offering discounts for people if finances are limited for them, right? Because I mean, I understand like when, <laughs> So I want, I want to just upfront, just share like, Hey, that's a real thing. And if you care about the work that I'm doing, that we at NUMA here are providing the service, the content, the whatever, if you appreciate like what we're doing as an organization and want to see us keep going, like I want to just express you participating in stuff we're doing, donating, subscribing, um, being a patron of services, like in any of the ways you want to participate because you want to contribute and like support the work we're doing and the people who are doing it. I want to let you know upfront, nice and clear and loud, like we welcome your support. We need it. I hate using that word, the capitalist in me from the past, you know, that was icky, but the human in me and the honest processing being like a responsive critical thinker through the, the systems that I'm becoming conscious of that I'm benefiting from or like hurting people by or myself. Like this is real. Like we need your support and your involvement in order for us to keep doing the work we do. And the work that we're doing like requires energy and effort. And there's a ton of time every week that we're putting in. So like, I just want to invite you to support us by joining one of our groups, uh, hiring us as coaches, subscribing to NUMA plus. We also have a donate account. You can, or, donate link on our, my website, you can donate if you just simply want to support our work. Like there are all those ways that you can support us. We will welcome the financial support. Okay. Um, so that being said, I want to just chime in for myself on this Christian nationalism series that we're about to jump into. Uh, so a big part of why I'm even having to do this work with the capitalism and the profitability and like recognizing my own humanity was because of the values I was raised with. Like Christian nationalism is this idea that God blessed the colonists that came to America and founded a Christian nation based on the Bible and God's divine ordinance. Right. And I remember being in third grade, learning about manifest destiny, this notion, this idea that God like endorsed, people to come to America to wipe out the natives, right? And take the land and found this great nation. And then that whole idea, that ideology is perpetuated by this belief that like the reason America is, has been so successful in the ways that it's been and so impactful and so like this beacon of freedom and liberty is because God chose this nation. It was founded on biblical principles. And the reason God blessed us was because we honored and obeyed the rules in the Bible. And the more we deviate from that, the more our country, our country suffers, um, the more our economy is going to dip, the more, you know, and at this point I'm like, man, that rhetoric is so bigoted and uninformed and biased and inaccurate. Like that's not true. And it's so awkward to have to even like wrestle out, like what we're willing to like teach kids in school based on the agenda and the emotional and cultural wars that come up from acknowledging that we were founded on racism, right? That we had a whole industry of slavery and we built, anyway, I'm going to, what? Christian nationalism. So all that to say, like the people who tout this idea that 
like the government and the laws of the land should be based off of our biblical interpretation whose right is the first question i want to pose like whose interpretation of the bible are we basing these decisions off of and in the christian nationalism conversation it's the evangelicals it's the white conservative christian base right uh i mean it's funny to just hear me say stuff like now but that i couldn't say like a few years ago because of the immediate offense and the drama and the backlash and now i'm like yeah bring it on go ahead react backlash block me run like i get it do it though because like I'm going this way, you know? Um, I can't keep being part of a Christian nationalist church that indoctrinates people to protect and uphold America over goodness, over justice, over genuine like love and compassion. <laughs> it's, it's a problem to think that the people in this nation are like more prioritized than other people is inappropriate, is unbiblical, but it's very American to think like that. I remember being raised with these kinds of values. Literally, listen, this is true. Oh, I kicked my camera again. Literally, I went to a private Baptist school when I was in preschool, kindergarten, um, first grade. This happened every morning. The whole school would line up outside and there was an American flag in the courtyard, if you will, and then a Christian flag, a little lower than the American flag, and then a flag with the Bible on it. No, it was the American flag, the Christian flag, and then, sorry, a kid was chosen each morning to go stand with the, and hold the Bible in front of all of us. And we would pledge our allegiance, firstly, to America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? And then we would pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. It sounded like this. I still remember it because we recited it every day for years of my childhood. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to my Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, buried, risen, coming again. Um... Oh no, with like salvation for all who believe or something. I forget how the end goes. And then we would pledge allegiance to the Bible. This kid would hold out the Bible and we'd all put our hands on our hearts and we would say, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I'll make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Like we did this. The first pledge was to the American flag and then the Christian flag and then the Bible. And I think that's actually indicative which is so awkward to acknowledge, but like the priority was America first. And oh, look, the Bible supports the fact that Americans are more important, are more valuable, are the leaders, are supreme. Uh, no one would say it this way, right? But like the actual attitude behind all this is that. I remember going to like 4th of July stuff as a kid and like my parents and my grandparents, like just kind of hosting this notion that, man, we sacrifice so much for this like great country of like liberty and freedom and equality and, you know, and I just ate it up. I'm like, oh, I remember praying as a kid, like, oh, thank you that I was born in America. Thank, thank you that I'm American. I'm so thankful that I was born in an American country with like, you know, that was like actually like kind of some prayers. I, would, I was so thankful for the freedom right? And like being born in this country that I have these liberties. And anyway, um, the blending of Christianity and like belief in God and like a theocracy that like God dictates the rules of the, of the land and God decides is so and marrying that with government and laws and legislature like is so dangerous because the people who are speaking on behalf of God, the people who represent God, are people who don't value science. They don't value education in a lot of ways. Like they don't value critical thinking, um, independent thought. They don't value like holding things accountable, vetting stuff. 
I'm not saying they don't value them at all. They value those things less than they value like gumption and willpower and what they would label faith. But I would call that actually like a biased agenda for how you want to see the world and how you want things to go. That's not faith. And so there's a lot of weird conflating that goes on and the verbiage that comes out. We call like in Christian spaces that I was raised in that I had to divest from, we would use the word love for behavior and attitude and treatment of other people that was actually discriminatory, that was degrading, that was dehumanizing, that was oppressive, that was abusive and manipulative. Like it was these other things, but we did those things because we loved these people, which is sick and twisted. But that was the thing, like the culture functioned that way. And the more I pulled away from all this stuff, the more I realized like, ew, we're doing this and this is gross. This is not okay. And it was so awkward to have to face that because I was doing it. I did that, you know, horrible. Christian nationalism was a big part of why, oh, I'm going to share this in an interview that will come up later in this series, but I just remembered that I was part of a stained glass class in high school and I made a mosaic of the American flag with a cross in the stripes. So the colors were inter, they were reversed or whatever to form a cross within the flag. Like I literally made that. It's still hanging in my mom's hallway at her house. She's proud of it. She loves it. I'm like, I did that. Where did that come from? I mean, here's the thing. In my defense, if I need one, <laughs> I made that because it was a byproduct of the, the values I was raised within, right? Like I was expressing what I had been told and instilled in me was beautiful and important. And it was Jesus in America. It was American Jesus. Again, I wouldn't have said it that way, but that's how it was showing up. And it, today I'm like, this is so concerning and I want to use the word I would use the word gross this is gross like it's so unloving and arrogant and a lot of other strong words to assert that God says and wants and does and values these things therefore you human get to suffer in these ways because you're opposing what God wants that's not love and if God is love and that's how God wants people to be treated I think we need to like check ourselves and recognize like something has gone very wrong. You can't claim God is love and then say that God wants people to be treated this way. Those are literally contradictory ideas. So either God doesn't want people to be treated that way or God isn't love. We need to be honest about this and like pick a side, if you will. We don't get to have both. God is a dictator tyrant who will, and a king, right? A monarch who will exact his will on your life and the harm and suffering you experience as a dehumanizing dynamic of his authority is your problem, not his, but also God's love and he loves you. They, they love you, right? Like, not okay. These are actually contradictory ideas. If God is love, then God would never endorse people being marginalized, excluded, discriminated against based on their humanity. Like, anyway, so all that to say, I think the Christian nationalism conversation is really important. It's something that needs to be broached. And so that's why I wanted to choose to have a series even on my show to address this. Um, I did ask for some other people on the other side of this to chime in. The communication kind of fell apart. And I don't know what's going on there. So I'm actually just, I'm going to be sharing voices who are all confronting the ills, the harm, the problems with Christian nationalism. The people I probably would have had defend that idea. I think, you know, it starts to become like, well, what are we defining as Christian nationalism, right? And it's like, okay. Um, so just know this is going to be a very biased <laughs> interview series. I'm not interested in defending Christian nationalism. I want to expose it for what it is. 
uh, obviously politics comes up, but I think it's important to address that as well. Politics aren't irrelevant. They don't not matter. They do. And I'm not a political activist slash commentator, commentator. That's not my role. It's not my, that's, I don't feel like called to that, but I do have opinions and values that are expressed in that space as well. Right. So I want to like provide clarity, commentary, perspective. I would have been, I would have benefited from hearing people say these things at some point in my journey. I know like a few years ago, I would have just refuted a lot of it and like dismissed these people and labeled them and moved on with my life. Right. And it wouldn't have bothered me. Now I'm like, Ooh, how are people who aren't like me going to be affected by these beliefs, these attitudes, these ideas? Does that matter to me? Am I going to care about that? You know? And if we're followers of, if anyone's a follower of Jesus or claims to like love people, then I think you have to be bothered by that. That has to matter. So we're going to, the next episode and going for the next few episodes, we're going to do the series on Christian nationalism. We're going to face that, talk about it, pull it apart. Cool. Um, and I think the people I'm going to share, they're going to have very different perspectives on where they're coming from and why, but I think they have valuable things um, to bring to the table. So I look forward to you experiencing those conversations. Listen, I want to say thank you to you for being here with me, for watching these videos, for listening to my podcast, for being in this space with me. I know the journey I've been on for the last couple of years has been messy and wild and controversial. Um, I've like jumped some lines, you know, and like I've crossed lines and brought some of you with me and I'm so thankful that you've come with me. Some of you are new and you're here because of the change. And thank you. Welcome. I love this space. I love the people that I get to interact with and who are engaging with my content. I love the lives that are being positively impacted, the permission that's being granted, the oppression and abuse that's being broken off of people's lives. And they're getting to wake up and realize like, whoa, that's actually not okay. I shouldn't be subjecting myself to that. I shouldn't be treated that way. Right? Like I love that we're waking up to these things. Thank you for being here again. Um, I offer coaching and consulting. Specifically at this point, I mostly work with people either who are on their queer journey, coming out, facing the things that are coming up with that, recovering from religious trauma because of their sexuality, and then also people who are deconstructing, who are confronting harmful beliefs in their theology. Like I specifically work with people in my coaching space at this point on those things. Um, I have a couple of other people on my team who also coach. Um, and here's the thing, like I wanna just give a shout out to them. Uh, these coaches are legit. They've been with me for years now. I trained them initially and they've been with me in my coaching practice for like four years or so now maybe longer. Um, and their versatility, the level of understanding and like cultural engagement and like personal work they've done and their ability to like listen to people, to coach people through stuff, to hear things people are saying, hear things they're not saying, witnessing their actual space, who they are as a human, as a human being. Like these coaches are legit. I'm so proud of them. I'm proud of the work we're, we're offering. And it was kind of a struggle we had to like work through. Like, can we offer scaling pricing for coaching when this is such legit service we're providing to the world right and but the thing is like okay i want to prioritize let's like let's help the people who are looking for the help and get to them in ways that we can that they can afford even if it means you know we're not being economically acknowledged at the degree that we believe we're worth right we made that choice so if you need one-on-one -on -one attention whether it's with me or with one of my coaches like we uh, we are legit <laughs> so weird for me to like but i'm so proud of the coaching the coaching that we offer here at numa the spiritual intelligence the emotional awareness the empathy, the compassion, the, the way that we've been able to humanize people, the, conf the confronting of harmful ideology, whether it's religious or like bigoted, racist, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic, like we have grown in our ability to recognize and like work through this stuff with ourselves and with people. So if that's something you're looking for, please know our coaching is available and we would love to work with you. We also have a few um, 
what uh, we called them mentorship groups before, but they're more like facilitated group discussion groups at this point. They're led, but it's like very much a community-based like dynamic. If you're interested in being part of a deconstruction space where you can deconstruct with other people, it's called Ashes. That's the group that we run. We are welcoming new people for that. Um, I have a, a space that I personally manage and like facilitate called the Rainbow Room. It's for queer people who are recovering from religious trauma and working out their own sexuality and like finding their way with other people who are on the same journey. So if that's something, anyway, we have lots of these kinds of things available to you. If you're interested in any of that, you can click on the link below this episode and it'll give you the options of what to check out. Um, thank you everyone for being here. I so appreciate your involvement, your support. <sighs> We've got a really fun season coming up. Buckle up. It's going to be awesome. All right, I'll see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to dive deeper, check out MikeMayashiro.com.